We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Third and six, trailing 30-23, to 23, two minutes straight up to go in the game. San Francisco showing a blitz through the A-gap, and here they come. Rodgers looking, throws left side of the end zone. Beathard on third, down and three in the shotgun. Football to the 46 at Green Bay. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Beathard looking, hit as he throws it. Deep down the right sideline, and intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Sam to Rogers looking right. Throws the right side, St. Brown makes the Inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Snap to Rodgers. Looking downfield. Throws the left side. He's got it. Out of bounds inside the 10-yard line. Oh, my goodness. What a throw and catch. Again, they beat Maven down the left sideline. Hunter Bradley, the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee. Arm extended. Here it is. Placement made. Kick is up. It is good. He is good. Mason Crosby delivers the dagger. One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. And the Packers win 33-30.
Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of a Pack-A-Day podcast. We are closing in on episode number 200, but this is not episode number 200, so we don't have anything big to celebrate here. I'm your host tonight. I am Jacob Westendorf, and Zachy Vengeance has bailed on me once again. Zach Jacobson moving into a new apartment or, I don't know, doing some grown-up stuff, so good for him. Wish him the best. Tyler Grezegorik then volunteered to record with me and also bailed. So, Steve, I uh, hate to break this to you, Mr. Perhatch, but you were uh, my third choice for this evening. <laughs> so, how are you doing tonight? Oh, you know, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We are, uh, I'm surviving the frigid, frigid temperatures in Milwaukee. So, we had a big family movie day. We got a couple of kids. We watched movies all day long. We had the fire going. So, you know, I'm doing good. Kids are in bed. Got a glass of whiskey right now, you know? We're about to talk Packers. It's all good right now. Yeah, no complaints whatsoever in that regard. As far as the frigid temps, yeah, I know on Wednesday, the high temp here in Rockford, Illinois, is negative 14, and that's the high temperature that day. As far as my day, I am fresh out of a tattoo parlor, so I am sore. And I had baseball practice today. No, for everybody who asks, I thought this was obvious. No, we did not practice outside. Uh, but yeah, have you looked? I haven't looked into Milwaukee, Steve. What uh, what's the temperature supposed to be like? Is there like have you seen a breakdown of how cold it's supposed to get this week? Uh, yeah, actually, so I don't know the exact temperatures, but there are projections for wind chills for next week that are into the negative sixties. Yeah, that's where we're at for Wednesday as well. So yeah, because I mean, right now I'm at negative fifteen. Uh, temperature wise and that was in the middle of the day so i'm sure it's even lower now which is really cool um but yeah i mean get the fire going get a, get a couple beers get a you know a couple drinks you're good to go yeah i would think so why green bay wisconsin will never host a super bowl we're looking at it right now can you imagine if the super bowl was in this sort of weather i know that people complained a bunch last year when the Super Bowl was in Minnesota, that was mostly whiny media members, uh, and the game was inside. They complained a lot when the game was in New York. I don't, I personally don't understand. Uh, football was meant to be played in all of the elements, in my opinion. Maybe I feel that way because I'm a Packers fan, and if I look to my right on my wall over here, I have a picture of the ice bowl uh, hanging on my wall. But that's how I feel about that. Speaking of the Super Bowl, before we get into quick, uh, Steve, it's Sunday, so we're officially one week away. From the big game, the Los Angeles Rams, who are going to be America's team on next Sunday afternoon at this time, I presume, are taking on the New England Patriots, the evil empire of the NFL, led by Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and apparently, according to Twitter, Hall of Fame wide receiver Julian Edelman. Uh, That's something I, I don't understand at all, but that's beside the point here. Just real quick, Steve, who do you like in this game on Sunday and why? Yeah, I mean, the whole Julian Edelman thing just blows my mind. I mean, I saw somebody say that uh, Julian Edelman is like Wes Welker on steroids, and I I just started laughing. I'm like, well, yeah, because Julian Edelman did take steroids. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You are exactly right, except you're wrong, except Wes Welker was better than Julian Edelman. 100%, Um, yep. Yeah. Um, For me, I want to take the Rams. I mean, I'm like everybody else in America. I wish upon everything that – that the Rams would win. I don't think they're going to. Uh, however, this I, I said this earlier this week on our earlier podcast, but I'll say it again, hopefully just to 
will it into the world that the Patriots will win, and after the Patriots win, Tom Brady will retire and Rob Gronkowski will retire and set them back like 10 years in the process. I hate to break this to you, but I think Brady and Gronkowski could retire, and as long as Belichick is there, I'm still terrified of that team regardless. Oh. <laughs> so if you're, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. It just It would be who they can pull in at quarterback would be the most important thing. Yeah, I mean, I saw the guy winning games with Jacoby Brissett and Matt Castle one year. I mean, Belichick really is just a master of finding your best role possible. This is why I always say when we talk free agents, like Malcolm Butler was a free agent last year, Steve, and we didn't know each other then. But had we had that conversation, I would have told you, as a general rule of thumb, I do not sign any New England Patriots players in free agency. And I may get burned on a couple of those. Uh, every now and again, but my reasoning for that is Bill Belichick is the master of taking what you are bad at and essentially never putting you in that position to be bad at it. They are perfect at scheming players into their strengths and accentuating those strengths. That's why Kyle Van Noy was a bust in Detroit, and he's an impact player in New England, for example. So I'm taking the Patriots as well. I said after they beat the Chiefs, I like the Patriots 34-20. to I'm hoping the game's closer than that. I know every Patriots Super Bowl has actually been exciting and competitive. So from that, like like anywhere between like three and six, right? Something like that, yes. Uh, I know once upon a time there was a guy I used to work with. He was a big 49ers fan, and he always called the Patriots the nine-point dynasty, uh, which was his way of kind of chiding them because the, I mean, the, uh, the Niners kicked everybody's ass in those Super Bowls in the 80s, so... That was his like way of saying, hey, we're the best dynasty ever, not them. So I just don't know. I don't see the Rams being able to. If the Rams win or are competitive and like just lose, it's because Aaron Donald was a monster and Todd Gurley is the MVP candidate we looked at earlier in the season. But I really just look at Jared Goff and think Bill Belichick's going to eat him alive. But then again, that's what I thought about Nick Foles last year as well. And Nicky Foles now has a statue outside of Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia. So we both like the Pats. I don't think Brady retires if they win or lose. I think Gronkowski does regardless, uh, and Belichick will be around as well for those things, obviously. So that's the Super Bowl. That's our opinion here for a week from today. We'll probably talk more about that throughout the course of this week. But we are here to talk about the defensive line, and I apologize if this seems backwards. That's because it is. Zach and I made a mistake a week ago and talked about Brian Gutekunst instead of the defensive line like we were supposed to. So here we are talking defensive line out of order. After everybody's discussed special teams and coaching and you're thinking, man, that really seemed like really weird that it was in the middle. That's because it was. Uh, It wasn't supposed to work that way. So my apologies. We screwed that up. But, hey, that's why it's an imperfect game, right? So let's talk to D-line. Steve, going into the year, Just on paper, what were some of your thoughts on this team? Because you look at their defensive line and their starters were supposed to be Kenny Clark, who's a bona fide stud, Mike Daniels, see above, and Muhammad Wilkerson, who has been a stud in the past, but he wasn't necessarily, he was looking to reboot his career under Mike Pettin. And then you got guys like Rockford, Illinois' finest, Dean Lowry, and Montrevious Adams as some rotational players. Did you think going into the year that this was going to be the best position on the team, other than quarterback, obviously, with Aaron Rodgers? Honestly, yeah. I mean, the way they they went out and they aggressively went into free agency and got Wilkerson, which is something we are not used to, um, 
they, they were just adding to a position that we already thought was a strength. And so I think when it started, everybody, like Packers fans around the around the whole area, they were all excited because, you know, this isn't something we normally do. This wasn't something Ted would normally have done. And he went and added to a position of strength. Um, and all of a sudden you're looking at Wilkerson, Daniels, and Clark, and you're like, my God, this is – like, this is a dominant front, and it just never took off. I mean, between the injury to Wilkerson, um, you know, having to, to to bring in Lancaster at, near the end. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, he was productive, but it's still just it never materialized to that dominant front that you thought of these three guys will get pressure with one or two of the guys from the edge, and that will help out the secondary and make them better, and it was – you know, it was almost like it never had since that that front never happened. It kind of affected the entire defense. Yeah, it certainly looked that way. I mean, I came into the year thinking the same thing. I'm like, man, Montrevious Adams, by all accounts, was dominating training camp during his rookie season before he broke his foot. Uh, Dean Lowry has been a solid player ever since he's been in the NFL. He'll probably never be a star. But he's a pretty good little role player is probably the best way to describe him. Wilkerson was a stud under Mike Patton's defense when he was playing with the New York Jets. So I think there was some reason for optimism there. And then you mentioned Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark being two actual bona fide studs. One of the other problems that was faced with this defensive line, like you mentioned, was injuries. Muhammad Wilkerson's ankle exploded in the third week of the season uh, against the Washington Redskins. Yeah, I know you're kind of shaking your head and going like that. It was a I still can remember like watching that play, and just seeing him crumple, and you just sat there like you just sat there like, oh no, that is just he's done. Like there's no other way. Like, there's no coming back from that for the season. No, and he didn't. And then you know Mike Daniels was kind of banged up throughout the course of the year. Eventually he was put on injured reserve, and then Kenny Clark at the end of the year, I believe he missed either. I think it was either most of the last two games, including the full last game, or something along those lines, to where he didn't play a lot towards the end of the season, uh, and he ended up on injured reserve as well. So there yeah, you have I believe, it. I believe he left like week 14 with an injury, came back in the game, so we all thought he'd be okay, or week 15 maybe, and then, yeah, week 16 and 17 he was like questionable, and then week 17 they moved him to IR, so I don't think he played the last two games. Yeah, so it was something you know odd like that. Then you had guys like Tyler Lancaster, who you mentioned, uh, Fidel Brown, he was actually Fidel Brown's kind of an interesting player because he had an interesting end of the year. Um, I remember I was standing um, at the game against the Lions, or excuse me, against the Falcons because that's when they brought him in. And I'm thinking, who the hell is number 98? Like, I mean, with all due respect, I had no idea. Um, and that's kind of what you looked at with some of this defense toward the end of the year was there was a lot of that going on. Of who is that guy? Who is twenty six? Well, that's Bashad Breeland, so that's a bad example. But you get what I mean. You're looking at numbers and going, I don't know who that is, and you're looking at the roster card. That's kind of the downside to what happened to the defensive line this year. Uh, let's just kind of go one by one and talk about some of the guys. Obviously, Muhammad Wilkerson. Uh, I want to preface by saying I think it's unfair to grade him at all. I know some people are saying, Oh, well, that was a failed signing. Well. Brian Gutekunst doesn't have a crystal ball in front of him that can say, oh, this player's going to break his ankle in the third week of the season, and he's going to be done. Uh, was Wilkerson great before before he got hurt? No. Uh, but at the same time, it was two games into the season. So 
how do we know that he wouldn't have gotten better as the season had gone along? But yeah, let's... I mean, I'd say you give him an incomplete kind of just. Uh, I liked the effort of the signing, but there's there's there wasn't enough information to give an actual grade. Right, and that he could be somebody that they could bring back, and I wouldn't necessarily feel horrible about that. Um, I think that the the Packers have a need for somebody like that, a veteran along their defensive line. Maybe they could add a guy in the draft if somebody like Ed Oliver or Rayshon Gary were to follow them and they really liked him. Then the you know that's something they could look into to try and build that strength again. From this is Petten's like calling card as his position group. You know when he was in New York with the Jets, it was Mo Wilkerson and Leonard Williams, and they had a lot of guys that were just studs along that defensive line. That's something they can look at. But the heart and soul, Steve, of this defensive line, no question to me, and this is with all due respect to Mike Daniels, who I also think is very good, is Kenny Clark. And here's kind of the interesting part of this discussion because there's a lot of talk about how, oh, Ted Thompson kind of missed on a lot of draft picks toward the end of the year, and or toward, not the end of the year, I'm sorry, towards the end of his tenure, and was unable to add some impact players to this team. Here's kind of the interesting part. is Kenny Clark is a stud. I don't think we're going to disagree with that. The problem is that is Ted Thompson's best draft pick of the last, what, three, four years of his tenure. And he's a defensive line. He's an interior defensive lineman who is not as impactful as, say, Aaron Donald. Uh, and that's not to say Clark isn't great at what he does because he is. But the problem is he doesn't impact the game in as significant of a way, if that makes sense. I'm not trying to take away from his greatness because he is great, but it's an interior defensive lineman. It's not a pass rusher. It's not a wide receiver. Uh, it's not a quarterback. It's not a left tackle. It's not somebody like that. So what are your feelings on Kenny Clark as a whole? Because this really was his breakout season before he got hurt. Definitely a building block of somebody they can build around. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you... – you nailed it pretty much. I mean, he's not an edge. He's not the guy who's going to go out and get 15 sacks. He's not that. But, I mean, what he is is unbelievably good at his job. I mean, he's not Aaron Donald because nobody else in the world is. There's one of him, and that's it. And then there's a huge drop-off. So, to me, Kenny Clark is a good, like, I'd probably say, like, a number three or number four in the NFL as far as defensive tackle. Maybe one or two guys ahead of him, and then Aaron Donald is ahead of everybody else in the world. Um, but like you said, he's a he's a building block. He is one of the core players that I guarantee you will be locked up. Um, this I believe this is going to be his fourth year coming up. Um, so I would assume that he will either have his fifth year exercised or they'll start working on a long term contract with him. But I mean, he is the. The young player, I mean, they got him too. I believe he's 21 when he was drafted. Uh, so they got him young, and he has just continually grown every single year, which is impressive. And, yeah, this year he, he was even better. Like, just he's, like, sniffing out screens and, you know, making plays in the backfield. So I look for him to continue to do that in 2019. Um, and if they do have a healthy defensive line, I mean – you can look for him, his his numbers to go up because they won't be able to focus on him. If they do have like a Mo Wilkerson and Mike Daniels and they stay healthy and then maybe somehow they draft an edge or something like that or sign an outside linebacker, holy God, there's a couple people that can actually rush the quarterback and you can't focus on Kenny Clark. 
Yeah, what a what a concept there, having multiple guys that can rush the passer. You mentioned Kenny Clark's age. Yeah, he was 20 when he was drafted. And he, okay, there you go, yeah, 20. He played a full, I believe it was three full NFL games, and his 21st birthday was a Packers-Giants Sunday night game. Uh, if you guys remember that, it was a kind of a boring game, not all that memorable, but uh, the Packers won on Sunday night football against the Giants. Uh, Jordy Nelson had a touchdown. Devontae Adams had a deep touchdown. Kenny Clark had a fumble recovery in that game on a Kyler Fackrell strip sack. Oddly specific details that I remember from those games. But, uh, yeah, Kenny Clark's stud. I don't think there's any question. Uh, when you're talking about extension, I, I tend to think that they'll let him play out his, his contract, exercise that fifth-year option, have him that year for that cheap deal, and then work on an extension from him that I imagine will get announced towards the end of that season. But there's no question he's going to be in Green Bay for the foreseeable future. Mike Daniels, however, is entering now what is a contract year. And that is interesting because he's in what is probably now his final year in Green Bay. The Packers traditionally don't give out third contracts. Daniels is 30. And he's battled injuries the last couple seasons. Now, he's a great player when he's healthy. The problem is the last couple years, his healthy games have been few and farther between. Uh, What are you looking for with Mike Daniels? I mean, is this something that, kind of looking into both this year and next year, is this something that they have to look to find his replacement starting maybe as soon as this year's draft? You know, it'll be it'll be interesting because you said something that that always rings true with Packers of you you normally don't get a third contract and that was Ted. So for me, I'm intrigued to see how Goody will operate. So if he's going to move away from these type of things, it, 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 it'll all come down to the money. If Daniels is willing to take a little bit less because he hasn't been as productive as when he signed his first deal. Um, then yeah, I'm sure they're they're more than willing to talk on like a two three year deal that will will uh, be a little bit more friendly towards the team. Um, but honestly, when it comes to contract years, the fuck he's not getting injured. You look for those guys to dominate because they are never more motivated than when I have to prove what I'm worth. Um, injuries are what they are. Like you can't knock Daniels because he's been injured. It's just that's part of the game. That that's the way it happened. But when he's been healthy and he's on the field, I mean, he is a, a, a high-quality defensive end, and that's what you need in a 3-4 defense for Petten. So if they can keep him around, I absolutely believe they will. Um, and I, I honestly, as long as he stays healthy, I look for a really strong year. Yeah, I mean, Mike Daniels is one of my favorite players. Um, I had a, you know, there was a year where, Mike Daniels tweeted during the Super Bowl that the Seahawks were dismantling uh, the Denver Broncos. And it was my screen cap from then forward. It said, how about we be the bad guys for once? And they were dangerously close to doing just that because, well, we all know what happened in Seattle. I don't have to go over that. Um, frankly, it's been rehashed a lot the last couple of days for reasons I'm not 100% sure of. Uh, but I don't want to go over that. It was to date, uh, and I'm, I always say I'm very fortunate that I'm able to say this, but to date, that is the worst day of my life. Uh, and that rings true to me as far as that goes. But Daniel's very good player. But, yeah, I do think that, again, if you know if Ed Oliver is sitting there at pick number 12, I do think it's very possible that you look at him as – you take a long, hard look at him as somebody that could play this year alongside him and eventually replace Mike Daniels next year because, like you mentioned, 
You know, the no third contract, yeah, that is a Thompson thing. Uh, Gutekunst is a protege of Thompson, but he does have some differences, so it is possible that he goes a different route. Somebody yeah, it'll, else. Be, it'll be interesting. I, I mean, you can't guarantee it, but I'm just – it's something to watch, I would say. Like, it would shock me if all of a sudden they were like, hey, Daniel's in. Nah, we'll find somebody else. Maybe a little bit cheaper. Maybe through the draft, we'll go that way. Like, it wouldn't shock me, but I still just – I want to watch. Yeah, I do too. And somebody else that could potentially be a replacement for Mike Daniels is Rockford, Illinois' finest, Dean Lowry. I mentioned him. I refer to him that specifically because he's from my hometown and I watched him play high school football. So it's always kind of cool to see him on the field. Uh, Lowry's not a great player. Uh, Nobody's going to confuse him for Aaron Donald. Like Steve mentioned earlier, there's only one of those. But he is a pretty good player. Uh, He does a lot of things relatively well. He gives you those effort plays. He rushes the passer. He's a relatively solid run defender. Something I like about him is he has active hands in the passing game. What I mean by that is he bats down a lot of passes at the line of scrimmage. I saw him do that a couple different times this year. Lowry's a guy who, again, he's entering toward the end of that contract. He was drafted the same year as Kenny Clark, uh, so he doesn't have that fifth-year option. This will be his contract year. Is this somebody, Steve, that you see in the long-term future uh, of the Packers that they can get him at maybe a – a team-friendly kind of extension. Sure, I mean absolutely. That's a, that's the like to me. That's a Packers guy. That's what they want. They want somebody who works hard. You like you know he's just he's grinding. He, he's getting better at his craft every single year. Um, I think that's shown. Like he, he's gotten smarter. He you know he's reading the defenses even better. And to get him as a uh, for, like you said a, a team-friendly deal. Absolutely. He's not the stud that Mike Daniels is, but he's somebody that you can rotate in and get, you know, maybe 20, 25 plays a game where he's situationally in the right spots to succeed. That I mean, that's what you want. Yeah, that is what you want, and I, I look forward to seeing him. Like I said, I, I was naturally going to root for him no matter where he went. Um, I'm just very happy it's here in Green Bay. Um, occasionally you get Dean Lowry sightings at the local Chipotle, so I know, Steve, you asked that question the other night of, Chipotle or Qdoba to our new friend Sarah. Uh, so now that I'm on that, I kind of want to know: Are you Chipotle or Qdoba? Uh, for me, it's kind of I'm. Uh, I, I normally prefer Chipotle, um, but the Qdoba is way closer to my house. I'm not gonna lie; like about a good five miles. So when I have to go get food for the wife and children all at the same time, it normally can can sway me to Qdoba just because it's a little closer, but. When given the choice of the two, I would take a Chipotle burrito nine times out of ten. I respect it. Uh, I have never had Qdoba, so I I the can't. One thing I will tell you about Qdoba, the free guacamole really kind of is a nice thing. Okay, that's good to know. Okay, so that's something I'll have to keep in mind next time we're looking for burritos uh, for my wife and soon-to-be, well, we don't know if it's son or daughter yet, so soon to be child, but something along those lines. Uh, she'll have a pregnancy craving for that at some point, I'm sure. Um, but that's interesting to know. The other guys, like I mentioned, Tyler Lancaster, I think of the other guys, if you will. I don't want to lump all these guys into one group, but I think there's no question that Lancaster played the best of those guys. Uh, Montrevious Adams showed some stuff at the end of the year, but was kind of disappointing as a whole throughout the season. Uh, I He really needs a big year. Uh, He was a top 100 pick. The Packers took him in the third round. I hope he's good uh, because the Packers need him to be good, quite frankly. But Tyler Lancaster was 
just an interesting player all the way through because he was solid in the run game. He's never going to be too much of a pass rusher, I don't think. I don't know if he has enough wiggle or athleticism or twitch or whatever the buzzword is for that. Um, but wasn't that surprising to see? I know also I also know at one point that when Pat Fitzgerald was rumored to be potentially the Packers head coach that we kept talking about all these dudes from Northwestern that Green Bay had that was playing well and Lancaster happened to be one of them. But he was probably the big, one of the biggest or most pleasant surprises uh, from this season, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was just kind of one of those things that, as you said earlier, it was you you saw that you were watching the games in a number of flash that you had no clue what it was. And you said, who the hell is this dude? And all of a sudden it says Lancaster. And I'm like, okay, made a nice play. Okay. So, I mean, you just eventually showed up enough. And, you know, you can look at all the combine numbers. You can look at the stats. You can look at all this every like all the analytics all these things but eventually when somebody just keeps showing up and making plays those are guys you just want to keep around and like i don't care what his full work time is i don't care what how many times he bench press anything like for me when you can show up in the nfl game not the preseason but the actual nfl games and continually make plays like that's a guy that i i was unbelievably shocked by but love the love the find and want to make sure that he stays with the team yeah, I know this is probably bad, but it took me a while to realize that Tyler Lancaster was on the field. Basically, when you see those flashes like you mentioned like that, uh, I just assumed he was Dean Lowry because, well, <laughs> everybody. I think everybody understands what I'm getting at there. But, uh, yeah, it took me a while to get to that point. He was definitely a pleasant surprise. I mentioned Fidal Brown. That was another guy I thought was a pleasant surprise. So, Let's transition out of 2018. Steve, I think everybody would agree. Anybody who's watched the 2018 season, which was all of us, if you're a Packers fan, would agree uh, it sucked. And I hated it, and I'm happy that it is over. Uh, looking into 2019 now, we mentioned some guys. Let me start with Muhammad Wilkerson because we didn't get to talk about him a whole lot. I don't want to say gun to your head because that's a terrible image. But, I mean... If you were Brian Gutekunst, would you bring back Mo Wilkerson, or would you look maybe somewhere else for that veteran defensive lineman? Or do you think they even need a veteran defensive lineman? Would you just plug in, say, Dean Lowry to the starting lineup and then say, uh, we'll draft a guy in, like, the third round, and that's our other defensive lineman? I mean, it all depends on the money. I mean, I think that's a big thing for me is just how much he's looking for. I mean, he came back on a five five mil for one-year deal, and if he wants to come at I don't know, three and a half, four this year because he's coming off another injury. I'm willing to do that. That works for me. Um, I mean, I think he's got the he's got the skills and he's got the potential to, to work well in Patton's defense. Um, so I would totally, totally be okay bringing him back. I'm sure edge rusher is something that they're going to address in the draft, uh, whether it's an outside or defensive end. I would think there would be something in the first two rounds that's um, one of those two positions has to be has to be addressed. I would, I mean, I would hope, but yeah, I mean, like you said, gun to my head, I would bring him back at a discounted rate, a little bit from his from this year. But there's going to be options out there. I mean, I think they just signed the outside linebackers coach from Kansas City, where uh, was it D Ford? Is yep. that the guy. Yeah, who's, uh, you know, infamously lined off offsides to give the Patriots a chance to the Super Bowl. But still, 
at a great year. So, I mean, there's plenty of options if they actually want to go spend a little bit more money on somebody maybe a little better coming into free agency. Plenty of options. It's It'll be very exciting to see what Goody does in his second year of free agency. Yeah, I think that I would look to bring him back. Uh, he can't be looking to make a whole lot of money. And it's to the point now where with the money that he could potentially try to make, you're looking at like three million bucks, for example, and maybe with some incentives or something like that. But it's a guy who you could bring him into camp, and if he stinks or you get the younger guys playing better or something like that, you can cut him. It's not like you have a whole lot invested into him as far as those things go. Just looking at some of this year's free agents, if they wanted to spend money on a defensive lineman, I think your answer is Grady Jarrett from the Atlanta Falcons, but i got a feeling that guy's going to get paid buku bucks. Um and Domicon Sue is another name. I I don't think Packers fans would appreciate that very much from a personal standpoint. Uh, but that's somebody they could look to if they want to run stuffer. Haloti Nada is a free agent. I mean, there are guys. Uh, I just don't think that that's somebody that they're going to, or a position they're going to look to spend a lot of money on. Because like, like you mentioned, you know, Mike Daniels has a lot of money to be made. Kenny Clark is going to eventually get paid a lot of money. And if you can get, say, like I mentioned, if they're going to invest in D-line, then you're looking at maybe bringing back Mo Wilkerson for a little bit. And then, I mean, I suppose they could pick a D-lineman as high as 12. Like I mentioned, Ed Oliver, if they like Rayshon Gary. Rayshon, as a Michigan fan, that's somebody that the the Packers seem to like, his ability to play both inside and out a little bit, move around a little bit. It's a skill set I can see them liking, but I'm with you. I don't want to lock into a position necessarily at 12 overall just because the board can fall so many different ways. But I have a really hard time thinking they're going to come out of that first round without a pass rusher just because this isn't an edge-rushing recap show. But Clay Matthews is a free agent. Reggie Gilbert's nothing special. Nick Perry may or may not be on the team next year. I mean, there's just not a whole lot of talent in that room. So it's hard for me to think that defensive line is going to be something that they're looking to address and spend a ton of money on or spend a, a lot of draft capital on when they have so many needs elsewhere. Uh, overall, though, if we're getting to the end here, uh, Steve, what what grade would you give this defensive line group? The Packers' run defense this year was not very good. Uh, from a pass rushing standpoint, I think they did okay on the defensive line. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of different things that go into D-line play. I'm just curious to see where, if you had to give them a letter grade, where you'd fall in. Uh, I mean, well, I guess, for me, maybe like a C-plus. I don't know. I mean, a little bit. I think that the plus comes from the find of Lancaster. Hopefully he can continually contribute. Um, Kenny Clark had an above-average season. But besides that, there really wasn't anything to write home about. I mean, this was supposed to be one of the premier position groups. And, you know, things that out of their control affected them. But still, when it comes down to it, they weren't the above-average group. They were just a... Uh, I mean, pretty average to mediocre. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to put it. Kenny Clark was awesome. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, Between Ben Fennell and Andy Herman and the guys who do film breakdown, it seems like they could have done a Kenny Clark highlight reel every week of him taking on double and triple teams. That was nice to see. Mike Daniels was good when he was healthy, but he wasn't. That was a problem. I'm with you. I think C-plus is fair. Uh, The find of Lancaster, the find of Fidal Brown, uh, those could be – some things that are big in the future, but some disappointing seasons as well. Montrevious Adams, most notably, 
uh, and then the injuries kind of took this group down. But, you know, when you look at the beginning of the season, if you and I had hoped, like we said, we thought this was going to be a strength of the team. We were hoping to give this unit an A, and we're not even close to giving them an A. So when I say that, we say a C plus. How paramount do you think it is that the Packers address this position with something, so to speak? Uh, like I said, that could mean something as small as Muhammad Wilkerson, something as big as Grady Jarrett, or a first-round pick. Uh, where would you fall in line on a question like that? You know, I think uh, priority-wise, they, they've got some, some more pressing issues. I think edge rusher, I think safety is a really pressing issue. Um, even adding another wide receiver to the group um, would be something that I would say all I would want to do before getting to the defensive line just because Kenny Clark, if you told me that we came back with Kenny Clark, uh, like a healthy Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, and Dean Lowry to start with at that position, you're looking pretty good. Like, that's not a horrible thing to start with. So in the middle, I would tell you that, that I'm kind of, once you address some of the big things, if there's still some cash around, yeah, absolutely. Give me a Muhammad Wilkerson. Give me, you know, a discounted veteran. Like, I would absolutely take one of those. But give give me a safety. Give me uh, a wide receiver. Give me a couple, couple other positions first. Yeah, I'm with you there, too. Uh, edge rusher, I mentioned. If they pick two edge rushers in the first round, I'm not going to bat an eye about that. Uh, you mentioned wide receiver. I think that needs some talent thrown into the room. I really wish we could have done – that as a positional recap, just because I have at least what I believe to be a very different opinion on that group than what seems to be common amongst the Packers Twitterverse. I definitely think there's a need for talent in that room. Tight end, I think, is a position that needs um, a bunch of stuff there as well. Or not a, I shouldn't say a bunch, but they need some help there. Offensive line, I think I would like to address before that. And I wouldn't mind addressing that with like a veteran, a mid-level veteran to play guard that's not Byron Bell, and like a draft pick. Um, I know Dalton Reisner is going to be a popular name. Yeah. I, I just think at this point that I don't want them to pick Reisner 12th overall. No, no, not at all. I just tweeted this recently about if you're going to pick a offensive lineman in the top 15, which is where – well, actually I said top 10 and had to correct myself to top 15. But nonetheless um, – <laughs> He better be able to play left tackle, and Reisner, I don't think, can play left tackle. I think he's going to make a very good right tackle in this league. I think he's going to make a very good right guard. If the Packers can pick him 30th overall, I'm doing jumping jacks in my basement. Uh, But I just don't know if he's going to fall to that spot. But a mid-level veteran uh, and a draft pick in the fourth round or something like that I think would be be useful uh, for Green Bay to go that route. But, yeah, the defensive line, I mean, again – if you can get a mid-level veteran like Mo Wilkerson or somebody like that, Ziggy Hood as another. I'm looking at some of the free agents now. Um, those guys I don't think would be a bad thing, but I just I don't think it needs to be this DEFCON address it right now like pass rusher is. For example, and I didn't even get to safety. I mean, yeah, safety I think is something that needs to be addressed as well. I would be willing to bet, Steve, I don't know how you feel about this, and I don't want to get too far off topic, but looking at – this year's free agent class and knowing what's going into it, I would be willing to bet if the Packers are going to spend big money, quote-unquote, in free agency, I would guess it's at the safety position. Would you agree with that? Or if you had to bet where they were going to – last year they spent big, for example, on a tight end. They bought Jimmy Graham. And, you know, otherwise it was kind of mid-level signings from there. Otherwise, um, if you had to guess, where do you think the Packers would 
be willing to spend big money uh, at what position group, knowing what the free agency class this year could potentially look like. So, yeah, I mean, it's either going to be safety, which is a good guess because, you know, with the Earl Thomases out there, there's a couple other guys that could command some pretty decent cash. Uh, Otherwise, it's going to be an edge rusher. Like, maybe that way they can – they can compliment, you know, with Jadavian Clowney, with the Ford out there. Like, those are guys that are going to come in 15 to $16 million a year, um, which would eat into their cap, but they still have that availability to do. They could make that kind of a purchase and then do some discounted signings like you kind of talked about last year, mid-level guys who aren't bringing in as much money. And that way, with your first-round pick, you can still make that edge rush pick you, you've got now a top-tier free agent, a first-round draft pick, and you have two edges, and then you can go get a Dalton Reisner in the, the 30-ish round. You could sign this, you could draft a safety with 30 or whatever, like 46, whatever you're picking in the second round. So, I mean, those two, those would be the two biggest positions I think they would spend cash on. Yeah, I think if there's something that we could also say is kind of nice about doing this year's draft breakdown – is that the Packers, you know at least that free agency might plug a couple holes as opposed to where in the past with Ted Thompson it was basically, and I don't mean to disrespect Ted Thompson because I think he did a really good job, but the Packers basically closed up shop from January until whenever the draft fell. And this year, and since Gutekunst has taken over really, doesn't look like that's going to be the case. So that's a positive, I think. I think we would agree with that. Um we are out of time, though, so uh, thank you guys for listening into the Pack-A-Day podcast. You can follow it on Twitter. It's at Pack-A-Day podcast. Give us a rating. Let us know what you're thinking, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Steve, where can we find you? Uh, just say, on Twitter is always the best way to get me. It's at Steve Perhatch. At Steve Perhatch, and he will. Uh, he's here relatively frequently. He just did a show the other night uh, with Dusty Evely. And our new friend, Sarah, uh, she's new to the show, so welcome her. Uh, listen to that one. That was pretty cool to listen to uh, the other day. I don't remember what you broke down, so I apologize for that, but I was listening yesterday. I just have a brain lapse. Uh, uh, we, we, like. you, you got lucky. We, you missed the, uh, the safety edition. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I do remember that now because, yeah, we were talking about Josh Jones. That's what led to some of my discussion last night uh, with Mike Wenland. So <laughs> I'm Jacob Westendorf. I'm your host. I'm here every single Saturday. Normally with Zach Jacobson, but I guess since he's doing stuff, he doesn't love me anymore. So I might be with some different people going forward. It's Sunday. Next week's the Super Bowl. Everybody, listen to the show every day because this is our first Sunday without real football. Unless you like the Pro Bowl, which if you do, God bless your heart. But I I don't know how you guys watch that if you do. Um, you can follow me, like I mentioned, at Jacob Westendorf. Thank you for listening to this breakdown of the defensive line. And as always... Go Pack Go! Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast.
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.